the Irish Times Inside Business Podcast in association with EY, building a better working world. Hello and welcome to the Irish Times Business Podcast. It's been a brutal couple of weeks for the Irish tech sector, culminating on Wednesday with news from Meta that it plans to axe 13% or 11,000 people from its workforce. That will include hundreds of staff in Ireland. This follows job cuts by Stripe and Twitter, with chip manufacturer Intel also flagging its intention to reduce its headcount globally. So what will this mean for Ireland? How will it impact on our corporation tax revenues? And does the government have a plan B for employment growth now that the tech sector is in retreat? Cliff Taylor of the Irish Times will help me answer those questions. Also joining me on this episode is Laura Slattery of the Irish Times, who wrote an excellent column this week on Elon Musk. She suggests that he's been winging it since taking over a fortnight ago, and it's hard to disagree with that assessment. But I began by asking Cliff Taylor to outline the size and scale of the tech sector in the Irish economy, as outlined recently in a new data series by the Central Statistics Office. Yeah, I mean, extraordinary growth really right through the pandemic. I suppose while we were all focusing on the domestic sectors of the economy and the uh, problems they were facing through the pandemic, it turns out the multinational sector was, was literally flying ahead. So if you look at the ICT sector, which uh, includes most of the big computer service multinationals, uh, the Googles, the Facebooks, Microsofts, the LinkedIn's, uh, Twitter, etc., etc., employment of that sector increased by over 25% between 2019 and uh, August 2022. So if you look at employment in the economy in general, it has gone up as well, but there was obviously a bump downwards during the uh, COVID pandemic. But the ICT sector and some of the other high-tech dominated sectors just kept going upwards. There are signs that growth in in that sector has been slowing, or employment growth in that sector has been slowing over the last couple of months, up to August, which is the the date of the most recent figures. A little uncertain as to whether that is kind of the start of layoffs in the tech sector or hiring freezes, or whether it was to some extent the well-advertised problem uh, of getting hold of staff in a lot of sectors as well. It may, I suppose, given that we seem to be at a bit, bit of a turning point in the sector, have reflected both uh, both factors, in fact. But I think the backdrop is huge growth in the sector since 2019. A recognition and by many of the companies we've seen Stripe out, uh, we've seen reports of what Mark Zuckerberg has said, that, that this expansion has got ahead of itself a bit particularly in the context of threat of global recession, a big hit to consumer spending from the cost of living crisis. And the companies are now having to readjust. And I guess the question is, how far is that readjustment going to go? Are we going to go back to back to the future, back to 2019, for example, those kind of employment levels in the sector? Are we going to go halfway there? You know, I think that's the question we face. And the subsidiary one being, given that we're so reliant on a small number of big companies what is the outcome for those really big companies going to be? Because uh, there could be company-specific factors that are very important for Ireland as well. Yeah, so big surge in corporation taxes over uh, the past few years. We're looking at potentially €20 billion this year. What does the ICT sector account for in terms of corporation taxes? How important are those big tech companies to our corporation tax receipts? Yeah, we know that more than half the corporation tax is paid by the top 10 companies and broadly, that seems to break down. We don't we don't know exactly, but broadly seems to break down between pharma companies and ICT companies, pretty much 50-50, I suppose you might say. Now, 
included in the in the kind of technology ca- category in terms of big taxpayers are also some manufacturing companies, notably Apple. So I think we probably need to think of them a little bit differently. They're obviously going to be hit by consumer demand and consumer factors as well. But the companies that are in the in the spotlight at the moment, if you like, are, are mainly the service companies, the ones that are relying on online spending and online advertising. That's the sector that's taken the heaviest hit. They're the companies that have seen the biggest fall in their uh, share prices on the U.S. stock market, and they're the companies whose strategy is kind of now really under 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 examination by investors. Although there is, of course, issues in the manufacturing companies as well, notably Intel, where falling demand for computer chips worldwide uh, has led to a restructuring program. We're, we're still waiting to see what that will mean for jobs in Ireland. Yeah, so how much, in your estimation, Cliff, how much is at, at stake here? I think there's a lot at stake for the Irish, the Irish economy. There's the corporation tax for a start. It's really difficult to assess the pluses and minuses there and to kind of work out what it might mean for the overall tax take. But we've seen such a surge in the last few years that you'd have to think that given the hit to profits uh, in some of the big players now that we're going to see some kind of a tailing off in, 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 in corporation tax growth, perhaps a flattening over the next year or two. The flip side, the, the positive thing and, and the thing that may protect corporation tax revenues a bit is that the big companies moved intellectual property assets to Ireland uh, from 2015 on. And the earnings that have come into uh, Ireland from those assets, a lot of that has been protected by tax allowances since 2015, and those tax allowances will now be running out. So there may be, while there may be less profit at the uh, multinational companies, more of the profit that's coming in may be exposed to tax. So there could be a bit of a plus and minus factor there. But there are other factors as well. There's obviously income tax. The ICT sector alone is responsible for around 12%, 11-12% of all income tax payments and when you add kind of the professional services sector, which is also kind of heavily reliant on multinationals, that figure is going to go up pretty significantly because, as we know, better off people pay a lot of income tax in Ireland because of the way income tax here is structured. And then, of course, there's a wider economic impact as well, the impact on the commercial property market, demand in the economy, confidence, all those kind of things. So I think there's a lot at stake in the next month or two. Unfortunately, the signs are the big pharma companies still seem to be uh, working away in the background, growing and hiring. And, and there are parts of the tech sector that still seem to be hiring as well. So we're, we're at kind of a strange time and uh, it's going to take a while for it, I think, to shake out. Laura Slattery, Twitter has been in the headlines over the past uh, couple of weeks. Elon Musk closed his $44 billion acquisition uh, of the company. And there's been a rather uh, cack-handed uh, redundancy program uh, since then, uh, which has affected a lot of people in Ireland. So staff woke up one morning and found that they were locked out of their systems, locked out of their office, and there was a notification to their personal email telling them effectively that the roles were under threat of redundancy. Now, you were writing about it in your column this week, and you're comparing them to a substitute teacher, uh, Elon Musk, and uh, suggesting that he might be winging it at Twitter. Yes, well, the sort of type of substitute teacher who comes in, can't really control the class, doesn't really know what he's doing. But because things get a little bit chaotic, they somehow locate their inner despot and sort of go over the top in the other direction. 
and they look around and they can't find the other experienced teachers to help them out because <laughs> they've somehow acquired the power to fire them all. So, yeah, that's all terribly unfair, I should say, to substitute teachers. Uh, I apologise. But yes, that's the vibe that Elon Musk is giving off whilst being the sole director, CEO and chief twit of Twitter. And, you know, he's come into this at possibly the worst timing possible as Cliff was saying, companies that are uh, exposed to the vagaries of online advertising are not in a good position at the moment, which explains why he is trying to launch this uh, subscription product to try and take away the dependency from advertising re uh, revenues, which are, of course, um, going to be incredibly soft if a recession takes hold in the US in particular. But of course, launching a subscription <laughs> product at a time when the cost of living is a factor for many, many people. And even if it wasn't, even if it was a great time and, you know, people had a discretionary income to burn, nobody really likes paying for something that they previously got for free. So these are issues that um, perhaps would have uh, arrived on Twitter's doorstep sooner or later, but they are arriving now whilst Elon Musk is in charge. And it's really just a microcosm, actually, of, of the issues facing much larger companies such as uh, Meta and, and Google's parent uh, Alphabet, because they're much bigger companies. You know, Twitter only had a five billion revenue last year, whereas Meta's was 118 billion. And Alphabet's was, you know, more than twice that again. So what we see happening on, on Twitter is a struggle to keep the revenue coming in, really. It's it's in decline. Meta has also seen declines in revenue this year, which is a first um, for it. And we see all of these companies under severe pressure as the economic outlook darkens. So maybe he was right to fire so many people and, and take such drastic action to try and uh, draw a line under Twitter's uh, problems. I know he went about it in a you know, I described it as a cack-handed way. It's pretty brutal, especially uh, in Irish in an Irish context. Maybe not so so much in a US one, but maybe he's right to actually tackle the problem in this hard-headed way. Well, there's two things there. I mean, one of them is it's it's not unusual for American companies, in particular, to uh, cut off people um, from their systems. You know, to deny them access once they've been let go. But usually, that happens. You know, minutes or you know after they've been told they've been let go. In this case, people found out the moment that their access was cut off and their passwords changed. That was how they found out that they were amongst the group that was going to be let go. So that was new, I think. You know, I don't, I don't think Elon Musk handled that well. I don't think anyone would claim the opposite. Even the report this week that he was uh, looking to rehire some of the people were, that were let go suggests that it was all rushed through in a bit of a cack-handed way, as you say. And it's just uh, indicative, perhaps, of um, how he does business. Now, as you're, to your point about whether or not it was necessary, I definitely think, you know, all of these companies, it, it makes sense for them to get their costs under control at this point. A lot of them, you know, in particular, I'd say Meta, uh, Alphabet, and perhaps Amazon, have expanded really, really rapidly their workforces. I mean, I mean Meta's workforce globally is more than 87,000 people. It's a really, really huge uh, size 
workforce for, you know, a company that doesn't make anything in, in, in effect. You know, it's not a manufacturing business. And of course, it's trying to sidle out of online advertising into the metaverse, but it hasn't really um, shown any conviction, any sense of uh, clarity of thinking on that yet. It's not a pretty picture. And I, I, I worry that some of the commentary that we've seen about Twitter and the sense of, of something being lost, something valuable being lost, is going to be sort of many, many, many times over. We'll see it repeated with Meta and other much larger companies that are going to come a cropper as the business environment changes. Yeah, now many years ago, Laura, you set up two Twitter accounts, I think one for work and one for your personal use. How are you feeling about that now? I suppose I would be concerned that the heyday of Twitter is over and that people are moving on. And also that there is a possibility that despite his protests to the contrary, Twitter will become even more of a toxic hellscape than it is at the moment. Now, Elon Musk's plans are kind of changing by the day, it seems. So I kind of hesitate to just say what his plans are. But at the moment, it doesn't look like it is going to be a functioning site in the way that it has been in the past. I think there's a risk that it won't be secure. I think there's a risk that it won't be a smooth platform. And I think there's a risk that there'll be tumbleweed on Twitter. So it was obviously used by many, many journalists and media outlets over the years, but you know, there are question marks about whether that, that was the right thing to do anyway. I mean, journalists were spending a lot of time on Twitter. They were sourcing stories on Twitter. They were quoting tweets. Um, we continue to do that today. But perhaps it's uh, best to put a little bit of distance between us and a man like Elon Musk. OK, so are you considering quitting? And would you be prepared to pay for those uh, subscription services you mentioned earlier? I haven't made up my mind. <laughs> Um, about whether to quit or not, I'm not willing to pay. I mean, the, I think the, the bigger answer is whether or not my employer is willing to pay for verification in the new regime. There is a suggestion that some media outlets will be given an official tag and that they won't have to pay uh, for verification. But I'm not sure if the Irish Times is part of that <laughs> vision that Elon Musk has. So there is many, many open questions at the moment. But, you know, I haven't deleted any accounts just yet. Cliff, is there a plan B for the government if a lot of this uh, big tech corporation tax uh, seeps away because of the global recession or global downturn? It's not a, officially a recession yet, is it? Well, not really um, in the sense of, I suppose there's been calls over the years that we should widen the tax base and get more tax from other sources uh, apart from income tax and corporation tax. And, uh, you know, those debates have come and gone, but not an awful lot has, has, been, has been done about it, largely for political reasons. If you look at kind of the debates over the water charges a few years back or over the residential property tax or the local property tax, should I say, more recently, clearly people are, are loath to pay additional new taxes. And um, so so we've been left highly reliant on, on, on these ones. I mean, the government has found itself in a good position over the last couple of years in terms of the public finances in general. And I think sensibly in this budget in particular, or the one just gone, has set aside significant amounts of money for next year. So Pascal Donoghue in his budget statement announced that uh, he was aiming to put £6 billion into a new National Reserve Fund, uh, some of that this year and some of that next year. 
In addition to that, there's also contingency funds hanging around in the background from COVID and stuff that haven't been spent. There's a significant budget surplus plan for this year and next year. So there are, you know, there's a fair bit of leeway in the public finances. So I, I think if corporation tax kind of peaks out where it is now or even falls back a bit, I think things will be fine. I think the worry, of course, in, over the next few years is if we get the kind of big fall that people like IFAC and indeed the Department of Finance itself has been has been has been worried about or has been warning about. And there's this calculation and I don't think anyone really quite understands it to say, you know, how much of the corporation tax we get in is excess funding or is supernormal or is above what might be expected in a normal kind of economic situation. And the Department of Finance, Central Bank and the IFAC all kind of come down to, you know, not far off half the total corporation tax is not readily explained, I suppose you might say, by activity that takes place in the Irish economy. That That is a bit worrying. It, it always has been a bit worrying. And, and I suppose as these companies restructure and look at what they're going to do, we can probably cope with some tailing off in corporation tax and income tax Is it's if they start changing their tax arrangements and the way they organise themselves. I think that could be where real difficulty would come. But certainly for the next year or so, there are there's a lot of leeway in the Irish public finances. Yeah, now what about the IDA's uh, strategy? Because obviously it's been uh, largely built, or a key part of it anyway, at least has been attracting jobs from big tech. I mean, Stripe, for example, were supposed to deliver a thousand new jobs uh, over the next number of years. And that's clearly not going to happen, not in the short term, at least. So, And the IDA finds itself in a situation where it has an interim chief executive as well, because Martin Shanahan stepped away f- uh, from the company there a couple of weeks ago, so which isn't ideal, uh, I guess. Do they have a plan B? I'm not sure they do. They've had an extraordinary run over the last few years. And, you know, particularly last year and, and the first the first few months of this year, you saw record foreign investment levels uh, and record job creation promises and very strong kind of net jobs growth as well in the in the multinational sector. And I suppose what the IDA has tended to do over the years, it's follow the wind, if you like, so that in good times, uh, it's kind of put its sails up and has got the multinational investment in. And then it has had to retrench, you know, a couple of times over the years during the dot-com collapse in 2000, during the uh, financial crash in after 2008. All these times it's had to pull back. Foreign investment has pulled back, jobs have pulled back, but the base has kind of largely remained. And I think what the IDA has done well is it's kind of been good at spotting the new thing, if you like, so that it's upgraded the sectors that Ireland has become involved in. I think one of the issues there now is that we've had a huge run from the multinational services firms in particular, from the Facebooks, the Googles, uh, the Microsofts and so on. And that is the sector that is being hit. And that is the sector which has accounted for the vast bulk of new foreign investment and particularly new jobs in the last few years. We still have the multinational manufacturing sector, of course, the tech sector and pharma in particular, which has been very good for Ireland too, and still looks and still looks very strong. And the IDA says that its pipeline is strong, but I think what we'd have to see over the next six months to nine months is whether that pipeline turns into announcements and jobs in the same way as it has done over the last few years. And you'd have to expect there's going to be some slowdown now because public companies are under a lot of pressure from investors. Smaller companies are under a lot of pressure from their funders, venture capitalists, and so on. Everyone is watching what's going on in big tech now. That's bound, I think, to have a demonstration effect and a knock-on, you know, in a whole in a whole range of other sectors. So I think the IDA is going to have to retrench over the next year or so and, and go again. At EY, 
Our purpose is to build a better working world. As one of Ireland's leading professional services firms, our exceptional people are at the centre of everything we do. We deploy technology at speed and innovation at scale to deliver exceptional solutions for our clients, enabling them to transform and grow. To find out more, visit ey.com. Yeah, Laura, social media has evolved, hasn't it, over uh, recent years? And we're seeing platforms now such as uh, TikTok uh, really coming to the fore, very popular now uh, with a younger generation, a, a different style of social media to Twitter. And TikTok is uh, putting down roots in Ireland, has a lot of employees here and big plans for this market. So maybe, you know, in terms of the Irish economy, maybe we'll be able to weather it with uh, new players such as TikTok and, and whatever other social platforms uh, come along, especially if people begin to migrate from Twitter? Yeah, I think it's definitely a possibility that this is merely a rebalancing of the power in the social media game. I mean, social media companies, as they've evolved over the years, they've never really resolved that issue of how to deal with the next big thing. And TikTok has been hoovering up revenues and it's been taking revenues from Meta. You know, I mean, Meta is a hugely successful company. I think we should just point that out. And it really it continued to thrive much longer, I think, than, than, than anyone was expecting. You know, in the wake of the Cambridge uh, Analytica scandal, people thought that people cancelling their Facebook membership would take a toll on the company's ad revenues. But that didn't really happen. There was the occasional skirmish with advertisers and, and concerns about the type of content on its platform, as indeed there was with Google's uh, YouTube. But, you know, the company continued to expand and thrive. And it's really only in recent times, like this year, that we've seen its revenue going to reverse. And one of those issues is the next big thing coming along in the shape of tick. TikTok. But it's not the only one, I would say. I mean, many of these companies haven't really adapted to the new privacy regime that we have now and is, is only going to increase in the years ahead as as cookies are phased out. I mean, Apple introduced an, an update to its iOS system last year which um, meant users of apps um, on iPhones and iPads and other Apple devices um, had to opt in to be tracked across apps. And that made the amount that a company like Facebook could charge um, to advertisers was under pressure because, as people said, ask app not to track. The type of advertising they were selling was a little bit less targeted than it was before. So that's another issue that's taken a bit of a knock off the revenues. I think there's other issues too. I mean, even when they are hugely successful, as I said, Meta was on, on Facebook and um, through, of course, Instagram, its bargain purchase for a billion about a decade ago. They've never really kind of grasped what to do, you know, when they are able to sell all this ad inventory, when there is demand there, when the economic times are good, because the more ads there are on these platforms, um, the more users are irritated and the more they, they then they do go in search of that uh, next big thing. And if they can go in search of uh, the next big thing that doesn't have that much advertising on it because it's at the, an earlier stage of its life cycle, then so much the better. So there are, these are all these issues that, that, you know, you could say that's kind of the cut and thrust of competition in social media and what does it matter if, there, you know, there are still jobs coming through. But I think we do also have to consider the possibility that this was the decade of 
um, social media's peak, that it was the brand new toy that arrived, you know, in the middle of the noughties. It was still growing. It was very much on an upward curve during the last uh, major worldwide recession. So it perhaps its exposure to recessions was, was masked at that point. But this time round, you know, it could be carnage. Yeah, Cliff, we've kind of been through this before, haven't we, with the dot-com bubble, which was around 2000 or there, thereabouts, um, give or take. And there was uh, a knock-on effect uh, for, for Ireland, uh, for sure, but we came out the other side of it. We did, yeah, and I was just thinking about that, funny enough, when Laura was talking there about, you know, how some firms win and some firms lose and some firms miscalculate and lose out. I mean, certainly March 2000 was a reckoning for, for, for the tech sector, and a lot of companies that were big names then and had raised massive amounts on the stock market, mainly because they put .com on the end of their company name, you know, were no more. Uh, you know, do, does anyone remember Pets.com, for example, and a lot of the other ones who uh, who were, had raised billions on the US stock market in the couple of years before that, mainly on the hope value that uh, this new thing was going to lead to huge profits no matter no matter what you did. And I suppose thinking back on that, you'd have to reckon that, you know, investors... Investors had the right idea in the sense that technology was coming, the internet was going to be a massive force, and this was the way the world was going. But they just put a bet on companies that had got ahead of themselves and you know, hadn't really got a, got a base for, for, you know, for progress. And you're right, that did hit Ireland, because we had the, the, the tech fallout in March 2000, and then we had 9-11, and a lot of fear about a global recession coming down the tracks, and growth here did slow pretty significantly. There wasn't a recession the Minister for Finance today had to trim sales a little bit. But as you say, 2002, 2003, things started to take off pretty strongly again. So, you know, perhaps we could indeed be looking at something similar here. I think a lot of the big companies that are in the spotlight now are a lot more solidly based than a lot of the, you know, new dot-com players were back then. But at the same time, a lot of the, fact, the same factors are in play, a sector which maybe has expanded too fast uh, and expanded on the basis of stock market valuations, which are now being shown to be, you know, ridiculous. And of course, part of that is uh, goes back to the uh, very odd situation we saw uh, for many years of uh, interest rates being on the floor and investors looking for a return wherever they could get it. And there's no doubt that the tech sector is one of the was one of the beneficiaries of that. But it did inflate a bubble much much as it did in uh, in in 2000, and uh, it looks like that's bursting now. We're just coming through, Cliff, as we're recording this, that Meta is going to lay off 13% of its workforce. So I think it's around 11,000 people globally. So we know that they have 3,000 employees directly employed here and then a number of thousands more as contractors. Not sure how the contractors are going to be impacted, but if we're looking at 3,000 employees directly employed here and you apply 13% to that, you're talking hundreds of jobs. Yeah, I think that might be roughly what, what what you might have expected, I suppose. I was talking to somebody during the week about uh, what happened at Twitter and what happened at Stripe. And uh, Twitter obviously talking about cutting half its workforce. And Stripe, I think the figure was around 14%. And I had kind of suggested that perhaps, you know, Stripe was a better guide to the way the sector was going. That Twitter was driven by particular Twitter factors, by Elon Musk factors that Laura was talking about there. What we're seeing in Facebook would seem to suggest that that is the case, that we're looking kind of a, at, a, at a 10, 15% recalibration in, in job numbers in the sector. So that is, going to be, that is going to be pretty painful and it is going to remove, I suppose, a lot of the additional jobs in the sector if that is spread 
throughout the, that, that sector, if that is the new norm, it's going to remove a lot of the additional jobs that were added over the pandemic. Probably not the same jobs, of course, but in terms of overall numbers, uh, the sector is going to go back a couple of years and that is going to hit employment, revenue, income tax, jobs in the economy. Yeah, Pascal Donoghue was suggesting during the week that there's good diversification in employment in the economy. And we know that uh, the employment numbers are down, I think it's around 4.4%, which would kind of suggest we're at full employment. That's what economists would tell us, at least. So is there the capacity within the economy to absorb um, these job losses? Will those 350 people or thereabouts at Facebook who are faced being laid off now here, will they be able to find other employment uh, here or will we see you know i'm sure some of them are foreign nationals so maybe they'll just go back to their home countries or, or go elsewhere well i mean we do start from a good position um the jump in the jobs market after covid was so much better than anyone would have expected like we thought we come out of covid with a kind of a serious unemployment problem and it just didn't happen in fact the opposite there's been huge labor shortages so yeah i think hopefully there will be jobs for a lot of those who who lose them particularly the more techie, engineering, high-skilled kind of group, I, I think you would certainly have to expect that there are, there are going to be jobs for a lot of those people. I suppose those who are maybe in uh, backroom support activities, perhaps some of those could find it a bit, a bit more difficult to get jobs and certainly more difficult to get jobs that offer the same salary, the same benefits, uh, the same stock packages as they would have got in uh, the big multinational firms. So I think a lot of people will be able to get employment, but whether it will be as well paid as, as what they have been in and, and offer the same benefits and attractions, I think is, is certainly a question mark. Yeah, what about the office market, Cliff? Because we've seen Facebook pause part of their expansion in uh, Balls Bridge, and uh, I think TikTok has walked away from, has uh, pulled out of a, a lease in Dublin as well, and LinkedIn has, has, has pulled back from uh, its plans for Wilton Terrace, uh, and there are other examples out there as well. Yeah, I think the office market is probably perhaps going into a strange enough place all right and uh, it wouldn't be expe- it wouldn't be surprised to see it fall off a bit I think because of that factor number 1 and the multinationals and some of those big service multinationals in particular have been such huge players in the commercial property park market particularly in Dublin. So you've got to expect that values in that kind of central area which have been stratospheric are going to start coming back. Uh, pretty sharply and of course the other factor is the the working from home uh, factor and there were EU figures out this week that showed that in Dublin and the eastern region of Ireland uh, the working from home phenomenon was sticking more than it was in pretty much anywhere else in Europe uh, that around 40% of people were still working from home uh, most of the time now that is bound to have an effect on the office market as well so I think those two things together pull back in the tech sector and the ongoing working from home trend which is you know, hard to see change significantly now heading into the winter. I think the office market is certainly, uh, there's got to be question marks over it, I would have thought. Yeah, mind you, the Zara founder uh, apparently is willing to pay, according to the Irish Times this morning, so it must be true, willing to pay a, a chunky sum, I think it's 550 million euro for the, uh, what will be the meta offices at Finnebachi Square in Ballsbury. So obviously still a bit of life in the market. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Once there's people there willing to pay, then maybe, you know, maybe the market will hold up, but you've got to reckon it's going to take a bit of a hit from the, from the two trends coming at the same time, along with a, a global slowdown and along with an increase in interest rates, which is going to increase the funding cost for people uh, buying commercial property. And it's also going to mean that they can stick their money in US government bonds and get a 4 or 5% return, taking no risk, uh, which wasn't the case you know, a few years ago. I think all those factors together are, are bound to have some impact. 
All right, Cliff Taylor and Laura Slattery, thank you for joining us. Okay, that's it for this week from Inside Business. My thanks to Cliff Taylor and Laura Slattery for joining me on the show. This episode was produced by Aideen Finnegan with JJ Vernon on sound. Thanks also to our sponsor EY for its continued support. Don't forget, if you're a subscriber, you can get the latest business news straight into your inbox by signing up to our Business Today email at irishtimes.com. And you can also follow the Irish Times business feed on Twitter, LinkedIn and Facebook each day. I'm Kieran Hancock. Until next time, take care.